Welcome to Bootstrappers, a unique program designed to help make your business better. From property management to remote workers, Bootstrappers is here to help your business succeed. Bootstrappers is a production of Anaquim LLC. So let's lace up those business boots and join Bootstrappers with Jeremy and Gwen Aspen. Welcome to this episode of Bootstrappers, where we talk about topics that matter to real estate entrepreneurs. I'm your host, Gwen Aspen, and today we're going to talk about working remotely and managing remote teams. I'm excited to be joined with Vicente Garcia, who resides in Mexico and who is a remote professional himself at Anaquim, but is working with Real Property Management Alamo out of San Antonio, Texas. Vicente knows firsthand what skills are needed to be successful uh, as a remote professional and also knows the best techniques to supervise remote professionals. So he's really like the best person to explain all of this to us and break it down. Um, And so we're going to have a conversation with him about his techniques for staying focused, working remotely because it is difficult to do so and how he motivates uh, the people that he supervises and holds them accountable and all that good stuff. Uh, but before we get to that, we have uh, we just want you all to know Anaquim it powers bootstrappers. Anaquim helps property management companies transform and scale their businesses, improves their profitability through a number of our services, whether it's a virtual assistant, a 24-hour hotline that you need for maintenance, leasing, call overflow, or you need full back office support, Anaquim has you covered. If you're a fan of the show, share with your friends, like and subscribe on YouTube, or leave us a nice message in a five-star review, hopefully, on Apple Podcasts. Podcasts. We love the feedback and we will send you a book uh, if you have the most insightful comments after this show. So stay tuned till the end to learn more about our book giveaway. So with that, I'd like to introduce my lovely guest, Vicente Garcia. Vicente, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? I'm pretty good. I'm excited to be here. Um, I mean, this is like a milestone for me. Oh my god! Thank you so much. Oh, yeah, the pleasure is honestly all mine. So I think people really want to know a little bit more about you. So where do you live? And tell just tell us a little bit about yourself. I live here in Mexico, and the land of tequila. You know, <laughs> the alcoholic <laughs> beverage. <laughs> no, I love it. So you're you're in Guadalajara, right? I'm in Guadalajara. Yes. So for people who aren't familiar with Guadalajara, which honestly is one of my favorite cities. I absolutely love it. I love Tlaki Paki. I love all the things Guadalajara. But um, tell them a little bit about your city, because I don't think people understand how cool it is. It is the second largest city in Mexico. And I mean, it's a really old city here in Mexico. And you can find a variety of things if you like to eat. You can you can find places to eat if you like to well obviously not right now because of the situation but in a normal situation you can find restaurants venues i mean we have one of them um you can find the international convention of books here in guadalajara it is held in november i mean it is one of the most important conventions in latin america so you can find it here um also a film festival is held in Guadalajara as well. It is the land of a lot of directors, for instance, Guillermo mm. del Toro, 
if mm. you know that guy he's from here so you can find a lot of interesting things i mean if the the people that is listening to this should try and should travel here and they will find a lot of good things about Guadalajara and Jalisco as well. And I don't think people understand how global your city is. I mean, there are so many expats, and I remember um, at our um, Posadas, which is our Christmas parties, people are speaking every language under the sun at those parties. (laughs) There are people speaking Portuguese and Spanish and Italian. I mean, it really is a global city, right? Yes, actually, it is like the second Silicon Valley compared to the one in California. So a lot of IT companies are coming to Guadalajara and they have their own. I mean, you can find a lot of Indian companies here, Mm -hmm. American companies, Guadalajara because of the level of people that is working here. Yeah, absolutely. And so tell, tell everybody a little bit about your education. I'm a, I have a bachelor's degree in international businesses and custom clearance. It is a, it is a long story. I mean, it's a little bit different from property management, but yeah. I'm a very curious person. So that's, that's what I studied. I like to study a lot. I mean, I, I'm, I'm an eternal student, you know? So I, I ended college like in 2011, but I continue to study every day just to develop myself. I love that. Okay, cool. So you started in property management, what, like a year and a half ago? Yes. So tell us about... September 2019. Yep. Okay. And so tell us about, if, if you were to do it all over again, do you have any advice for how people in property management should adequately train a, per, a, a remote professional and get them acclimated to the industry and the, job, the, the jobs in general and uh, that remote workers do? Yes, for instance, I'm going to speak about my uh, the background here in Mexico a little bit because property management, and it is it is not that well known. Even though it's in intuitive to be here in this type of industry, not a lot of people knows about this industry here in Mexico. It, it was new to me at the beginning, and I understand a lot of companies in the United States that are also new to remote assistance. Mm-hmm. So one of the very first things that, that I would recommend to the companies that will like to hire remote assistants is to have their standard operations procedures in writing. If yes. they don't have it in writing because of the, I maybe they are in need, in urgent need for a remote assistant. They had to lay off some people and they they want to keep the boat uh, going. I mean, in that, if, that, if that is the case, what I would recommend is to have a video recording tool so you can have a meeting with the person and record all the trainings that the person has. So you can build a, your own library of procedures. And because let's face it, and that is true. I mean, we are working a lot every day. So maybe we don't have the time to spend eight hours a day during a week or two weeks of training, but we do have one hour in which we can explain a procedure. And then that person can refer to that procedure. And if something arises outside of the video, it is easy to tackle that down. I do think that that's best practices that you're describing 100%. I do know though that some smaller companies are are not there yet. And, um, And so one other thing that has worked for people, because you don't have to be 
perfect to start with a remote professional. But if um, you train somebody and the end of their training is to design the manual themselves. So like, let's say I'm teaching you how to run applications and get approvals for apartments um, in the application process. And I walk you through it and then I say, okay, Vicente, I don't have this written down, but I need you based on our training to write the manual for this particular task. So you write it and then once you write it down to my satisfaction, then now you're gonna execute it. Have you ever seen that? I mean, I don't know if you've done that in your job, but that that has worked for us. Have you seen that in any of the positions that Been you've Been there, made? done that. I mean, <laughs> yes. Oh, really? Is that yes. how you started? Exactly. I mean, I wanted to succeed that much at the beginning that I didn't mind, you know? I mean, for people, I know that for some people it might be a struggle or something that they may complain about. But I don't know. I mean, at the beginning, I just wanted to to do well in this type of industry because it was new to me. I mean, even though I I used to work in an IT company in the past, mm-hmm. working as a remote assistant, it was completely new to me. So I was a little bit reluctant at the beginning. I was uh, kind of skeptical at the beginning for a company hiring me. How was it going to pay, going to work? You know, all that stuff came to my mind. So I didn't want to just like, treat it as a normal or any other opportunity because not that is not how I treat things you know so at the beginning so I had to learn fast because of the operation needed it so I just like tried to deep as dive as I as I'm sorry I, I to dive as deep as possible into the procedures so that's why I tried to do at the beginning so, and yes I mean as days went by we I worked uh, on getting recording softwares because at the beginning we work with Slack. So Slack is a great tool for communication, mm-hmm. but it doesn't have that feature on. So you need to have to, you have to look for it. So I mm-hmm. look for another tool for the people that is looking. I mean, streamers use a, use a tool that is called OBS, which is an open source software. It is completely for free. If a company is starting and they don't have a lot of resources, they can just look for that tool. It is called OBS Studio, and they can start recording their own procedures. That is the wow. easiest thing that I did. So you had to do that when you got started too, like right? You had to, yes. so somebody trained you and then you were the one to kind of systematize it? Yes, I mean, speaking about SOPs, yes. Okay. For my own team. Yeah. So, so let's just dig back to when you got started. So you said you were skeptical of the remote professional industry. Can you just speak on that a little bit more? Why are people skeptical and what kind of things does the industry have to do to improve its image, I guess? I mean, to me at the beginning, I mean, because I used to work on a regular office. You go, you clock mm-hmm. in, you clock out, and you go back home, and you you treat people in person, and that is what I was used to. But facing this new reality in which I was able to working from home, having a good pay, so everything was too pretty to be true, to be honest, at the beginning, oh, because really? okay. of the reality, yes. 
at the beginning, I mean, we used to work a lot, going to an office, fight traffic and all that. And all of a sudden I get an opportunity like this in front of me. That is why I was a little bit reluctant. But I don't think nowadays it is, uh, it is that weird. I mean, we're speaking about one year and a half ago. But nowadays I think it's everyone is looking for a remote job. Absolutely. That, Times have that's changed my personal story. a lot. So when you came um, in and you're used to working at a big corporation, I'm sure, where everything was handed to you, right? Like the HR comes in, they hand you your laptop, they say, hey, all the software is here, here are your SOPs, and they onboard people every day of the week. And then you come to a smaller company where maybe they onboard, you know, five to 10 people a year. Uh, and they have to remember, wait, how do we do this? How do I get your email and everything? Was that a jarring transition? It was, um, it was not that hard because I was already um, used to that because I was in the position that I had, I mean, in the project, the previous project that I had before, I was working for a global food and beverage company. So we were starting the um, help desk for that particular company. We had no procedures whatsoever, mm. nothing. So I'm talking, I mean, speaking that we were, one day I worked until 1 a.m. in the mm. morning. So it was not that hard to me, but for a person that re- works nine to five, they just go there, do their stuff and go back home. It might be challenging, but they just need to be open to the opportunities because let's let's put it this way if we are just the first one that are building the walls or or, or the foundation of where we are going to be working in the future it is going to be better it is a land of opportunities for everyone so if we had that open mind in which we are not just sitting there receiving waiting for things to happen if we make things to happen mm. in those particular companies i mean we can go faster and even we can grow larger than in even a bigger company that's what yes. I, that's what I like about this industry. Okay, so what you're saying, and correct me if I'm wrong, is that your recommendation for someone who is a remote professional coming in to work in property management that they have to be a little bit creative and try to think of ways to improve the system that they're working in. Is that correct? Exactly. And that's what they, you did I mean, when you came in, right? Yes. I mean, obviously. We are adapting ourselves to a new environment, to a new industry. It is like when we are being part of a new team. We're not we're not gonna change the team to the way we operate. We just need to see what is going on first yes. before we can start suggesting things to happen. Because I mean it is it is simple to just point out things and tell people what is going to change, but we need to be accountable for those changes. So it, it is not just a matter of saying what is wrong or what is good. I mean so we need to be accountable to finish. I mean, so yes, being open, have patience, and also just work with an attitude of service. That's my advice. Oh, that is really good advice. And I do think you bring up a good point that when you first start a new job, remote or not, you want to go in and like test the waters out. Yes. You, you have to prove yourself in the environment that you're in. So ask, you know, seek first for understanding and yes. do things the way that they're doing doing it right now. You don't want to go in guns a blazing, 
calling their baby ugly, right? So there's like a honeymoon, <laughs> right. a honeymoon period where we get to know the people that we're working with and we do the operational tasks they ask. But I do think once that respect has been built, it's I actually encourage it. I think remote professionals have to have the confidence to say, hey, I've been doing this procedure for a few months now, and I think, or maybe a month, but I think if we turn around step one and step two, it would be more efficient. Or I was reading the update notes of the software, and there's this new automation we should be using. I think that's where you really add value. And I think some people are afraid to take that step, but I would encourage them that the the risk is worth it. Would you agree? Absolutely. And uh, that reminds me of a point in which the other day I was watching a video and they were speaking about leaders. So they say, what is the difference about leaders and regular people that go to work? I mean, the difference is that leaders, what they do is they have conversation nobody else wants to have. They mm-hmm. do things nobody else wants to do and they are willing to work like no one is, no one else's. So in this case, um, if a person wants to take the next step or grow in a company, they just need to take those advices into consideration. And I mean, being mindful about what is going on, the situation, the communication. And I say that working in an office is like playing poker. You don't want to show all your cards at the same time. Oh, you just interesting. Wait. I like yes, that. Yes, you just want to wait. So when you started, I mean, they obviously liked you enough to hire you, but um, I'm sure they weren't aware of your full capability when you started. So just because nobody is, uh, nobody knows when they hire somebody what their full capabilities were. So how did you go from, you know, doing what you were supposed to be doing to offering up suggestions or uh, writing the processes and procedures. Can you tell us a little bit about your path moving forward to which ended up getting you promoted? Oh, yes. Um, uh, I'm going to just go back to that particular interview that I had. So I was going to be hired for, he was the owner's assistant. Mm-hmm. So I was just going to take their schedules and work on certain tasks. And also I was going to be the assistant of a property manager. So that was it. But in the interview, I was like, let's see. It was kind of a, like experiment for me. Mm-hmm. I was so I was like, all right, so let's see what happens. And I'm just going to tell them what I like to do, right? So the interview, when um, it developed well and we were speaking, I mean, and I mentioned some books that I like to read. So I like to read these books. And I like this, this guy that is called Grant Cardone that sells and all that. So it happens that the owner also liked that guy. So he went to one of his seminars. So we clicked in. So we started to work and uh, as we continue chatting on the interview, so we did pretty well. And uh, I mentioned something that I think it w- was one of the keys is that I mentioned that I like to sell. So I told him, you know what? I like to sell. I love sales. And as you may know, not everybody wants to sell. I mean, no, selling is... <laughs> It is one of the areas that most people reject or tend to walk away from. Mm-hmm. So I think that if someone wants to apply for a position, they need to focus on their competitive advantages that mm-hmm. they have. So that's one, one for me. And I mentioned it. 
And well, I think I mentioned the things that I like to do, like reading, uh, self-development books and all that. So I think it went well for me. And since I was doing a good job, I got promoted within the three weeks, the oh, first three wow. weeks I was working. So, so that just brings up that you are really authentic in your interview and you kind of put yourself on a limb because you didn't know if they would want, I, I don't know if you knew what they were looking for or not, but you were just yourself and showed that you were motivated to be better um, and to learn and to improve. And that's what got you the job. Yes, that is correct. I mean, we don't want to over sugarcoat things and we're in, when we are speaking in an interview because everybody can tell if someone is lying or they're overdoing things. I mean, I was just being authentic. I took my shot and even at the end, I make a joke about like, they told me, what is, how do you see yourself within the next 10 years? And I was like, I was, I told them, you know, I see myself as a millionaire. Oh, so he, he laughed, <laughs> he laughed at that. And also the interviewer, uh, she left as well. She was like, hey, don't forget about me, okay? But I think it was a good connection between us. Well, that is a great story. So you definitely stood out in the interview, that's for sure. Um, so Vicente, I just wanna talk to you now that you've been promoted, you manage a team of remote professionals. So can you tell us what skills really uh, make people successful in that role and techniques you use to manage remote professionals? Yes, I mean we have a we have a few. I mean, since we are remote assistants, or if we are dealing with remote assistants, uh, regrettably we don't have that much visibility from them as we would like to. So I mean, the only the only visibility or communication we have with the remote assistants is the communicator we use with them. I mean, some I don't know if maybe some companies they have their cameras on all the time. I wouldn't recommend that. It's, I mean, because, I don't know, it, it's kind of strange, but some of the skills is communication is the key. Wait, I just want to make sure I understand. So at your organization, you don't have a lot of communication with the remote professionals, or you're saying that remote professional, your team doesn't have a lot of communication with the U.S.? Can you just clarify yes, that? Yes, they do. They do. What I'm, what I'm saying is that they need to pay extra attention to communication yes because maybe some some things that we think we are not being written down like in a normal office environment so we need be, we need to be extra careful with that i mean to communicate everything that is going on and don't take anything for granted so that is one the first thing i would recommend to have a strong communication um, policy or guidelines or encourage communication among everyone yes. if we have a procedure taking place at the office, at the actual location, make sure to communicate that with the remote assistants because maybe the procedure procedure changed after two weeks, but they continue doing the first one and they don't know about the change, but the other ones in the office do. That's so we need to such a good point. So um, rolling things out, a lot of companies, they'll roll something out domestically, like in the US and forget to tell half their team in Mexico that they rolled it out. And I'm only saying that because we did that at early days of Wistar. 
we were really bad at rolling things out and I'm totally a failure. We would do that too. We would roll things out in the United States and not roll it down in Mexico. And ever since then, now I'm obsessed with rolling out things well. And I think it's as important as writing a good procedure is making sure that we fulfill a bunch of steps and also um, consider all the different learning styles. So for instance, at Anaquim, we're rolling out a new benefits package. And so now the communication has to be really clear on that. So we'll have the processes and procedures in the handbook. And then we have to have video content. And then also like the guidelines really clear, clearly set and probably a live training. So. But I mean, that's a huge rollout, so it needs all those things that every procedure needs that kind of rollout. But I yes. think that's a great point is, is that we've got to be focused on making sure everybody's included in rolling out something new and we don't forget about half of our team members. Thank you for that point. Yes, I mean, that is a, that is a really good advice because we know what we're doing, it is, it is easier. So that comes to the next point, to have a clear description of what the other people are going to be doing so that is visibility and that comes that goes along with communication and also follow-up i think follow-up is essentially remote assistance because like i'm telling you we're not at the office we're not seeing with our eyes i mean physically what is going on with the other person so we need to follow up if we if we give an instruction, I'm speaking from my role, mm -hmm. if I give an instruction or I ask someone to do something, I just have to verify that it was done. I don't micromanage. I don't like micromanaging. If it's needed, well, I, I'll maybe do it, but most of the time, that is not a premise I work by. So, so that is why I just need to follow up. And if it didn't happen, just make sure what it didn't happen. So it's just as simple as that. The, and also people skills are essential. They are. So are you finding now that you're managing people remotely that it requires a different set of emotional skills than if you were in the office? Like the way that you interact or um, understand what's going on with people, it's just different in the setting? Mm, yes. I mean, most of the time, people is shy to show themselves on camera. Yeah. I mean, they, so, I mean, even though, I mean, it will be a normal practice, not a lot of them feel comfortable. So it might be weird just for them to to act as normal in, on camera. So you need to pay extra careful, careful of what they read, what they write, and to read between the lines of what they're saying. I don't know if it happens to you, but for people, and you get to sense the feeling of what they're writing or, or of the message, what they're writing. So you, a person that is managing a, a team needs to pay extra attention to the type of message they're delivering. But I think everybody can notice that, but maybe there is someone that doesn't, but they need to pay attention to those type of things. Well, I think there's a lot of miscommunication too, because if I'm in a hurry and I just shoot off something without any niceties on the front and the end, mm -hmm. Because I'm just driving, maybe I'm just, tech, you know, saying it to my phone and then pressing send. Then that's going to come off like I'm angry, maybe, or it will be read like I'm angry, but I'm not. I'm just busy. So I think mm -hmm. that building that trust on the front end is really important, so that the people that work with me will think they'll get the short text and they'll be like, "Well, 
I think she has a busy day and she's probably just driving. But if I yeah. don't have that trust to build with them on the front end and really get to know them, they could be stressed out all day that I'm mad when I'm not. And then they weren't as efficient or effective that day because they were stressed out by something that wasn't even real. So I think miscommunications are more prevalent when you work remotely and have to be dealt with more um, carefully. Is that your experience? Yes, it is. So I think from the beginning, I mean, not, not everyone may know this from from the beginning, but it, needs, it is a conversation that needs to take place. So at the beginning, maybe and this happened to us, to us so and especially to me so i was speaking to a, a member of the team at the office here uh, at san antonio i'm sorry there on san antonio so i felt her message a little bit rude you know so yeah. i was like okay what's uh, what's happening so i was like uh, is there something that i didn't pay attention to or are you maybe having a bad day or did i do something wrong that maybe disturbed you or and she was like no 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 let me call you so she called me and she explained everything and but yes that miscommunication happens and so from that experience i explained to my team you know what guys maybe they're having a busy day maybe they just say hi in the morning and if they if you don't get a thank you or a please or something just don't feel bad I mean, mm -hmm. maybe their personality is like that. I mean, we need to build a, a thicker skin in those type of situation and don't take it that personal. That's why I told my team. So don't take it personal. Maybe they're just like that. If you see that your request or you're not being integrated or you are not being communicated things, well, we'd start to look at things in a different way and I can help you to make things happen. But that is a different story. So, so um, but I do think it took confidence for you to pick up or to ask like hey are you okay are we okay and check in on that relationship that does take an extra level of confidence to to reach out oh, yeah. that way but i do encourage people to have that level of confidence because i think it's required to make these long-term remote relationships work um, and I know you, you all might not use video camera a whole lot. We use it constantly. And the reason I like video camera conferences is because, especially with introverts. Now, I'm a huge extrovert, so I will talk over the introverts, and I know it's a problem. Um, so I need those facial cues from those introverts to know kind of what they're thinking. And then I have an opportunity to say, Hey, we have Fab Fabi's an introvert on our team. Fabi, you look like you're not on board. You know, what are you thinking about, you know, what I'm proposing? And so I kind of need those facial cues to bring her out because she has awesome ideas and if I don't have those facial cues, I would lose out on all her mm, all yes. her comments. And so for me managing remote teams, the video conferencing is key just so that I can make sure everybody's emotionally engaged um, and on the same page. And I think it builds trust between people because it, it is harder to get um, that trust built up when it's remote. So um, what other, do you have any other advice for people managing remote teams? Yes, I mean, if they're managing a team or if a person is managing this, this type of teams, just, make sure 
to follow up with their request. Because, I mean, being a remote assistant, it might be lonely. Speaking about, I mean, they are with their families, but they're working along on their homes. Mm -hmm. So if they ask for something, just make sure to follow up until this gets resolved. Just uh, it makes make sure it happens. I mean, that's it. And it is important for them and, you, and the trust will be built and they will be more willing to do things in the future. Okay, so so you're saying that if I like requested a password for from you or something like that, and then I, I and then the person in the office like never responds, it feels like disrespect, a little bit. Is that what you're saying? Like when be. nobody like does, they're not helping the person be successful. That maybe the people in the U.S. or whatever the main company headquarters needs to be a little cognizant that that doesn't feel good. Yes, that that is true. I mean, that I person like might be advice. left. <laughs> <laughs> I know I've done that before. That's why I'm uh, oh. a knowing laugh. Like that is important. I'm really glad you said that. So that would be your big key of advice for people working with remote professionals is just um, if they ask for something to do their job, get them the information they need in order to yes, get them it. the information, or maybe they need they need to leave early because their kid. I mean, their their son is. I mean, their children are sick, or they need to go to the doctor, or anything. I mean, just being mindful that those things may happen, and more frequently, just make sure to maneuver those things. I love it. I love it. So you said you're a big reader. So we always have our book giveaway at uh, on Bootstrappers. Do you have a book that you would recommend to the listening audience? Yes. Um, for this this type of talk we're having, I would recommend Eat That Frog from Eat Brian frog. Tracy. Okay. Yes. Very cool. So it it is based on an idea of tackling things down and being more productive. So it 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 starts with this example. So imagine yourself starting your day and the first the very first task of the day is to eat frogs. And you have a bunch of frogs in front of you and you can see a frog the size of your head in front of you so which one of the frogs would you eat first so they tell you all right you will eat the biggest one because it will take you more energy you have more energy to tackle that down at the end of the day so that is compared to the task or the activities that you need to do during the day so you you want to start with the biggest or the challenge the most challenging one at the beginning and then continue with the other ones and it give you a lot of advices on productivity how to arrange your day how to tackle down activities and all that so it's it is a go-to oh my gosh it sounds great i'll have to read that one well vicente thank you so much for being on our show and having this conversation with with me i so appreciate it i appreciate all your hard work and everything you've accomplished and uh, it's been really fun chatting it was my pleasure. I mean, this is like a dream come true to be part of this show. I mean, I'm just, I'm going to put it on my bio. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Okay, well, you take care of us that day. Have a good one. This has been Bootstrappers, a unique presentation designed to help you better understand how the world turns. Contact Gwen or Jeremy at posts at bootstrappers.club or visit our website, anaquim.net. Be sure to subscribe to our podcasts on Apple, Google Play, Spotify, and our YouTube channel. Thank you and join us next time for Bootstrappers.